Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington and Dan Malecki. Welcome everyone to the Friday Form Panel and I am joined, Toby McKinnon is your host and that is me and I'm joined by Dan Malecki as we are nearly every Friday. Firstly, Dan, how are you and uh, where are you situated up today? Um, I, I, yeah, I'm in my uh, office, study, um, um, studio, whatever you want to call it, yeah. um, man cave. Uh, anyway, where I get all my uh, winners and losers for that matter. But um, uh, no, I'm quite well, a busy weekend ahead and um, I'm heading off to Milton tonight. So we've got a full-on program there and a full-on uh, night of harness racing with a meeting at Mildura as well, so if you're a Victorian harness racing lover, you should be in your glee tonight with big programs at two venues in Victoria. We will get some tips or your best bets for, for Melton at some stage, Dan, but uh, we'll save that off until later in the show. So we'll make them suffer through an hour or two, an hour or so before they get some winners for tonight. <laughs> they might <laughs> might suffer with the tips that I give too, so it might be never mightn't let up. Well, that's possible, but uh, I know it's very popular and a few people mentioned to me they appreciated it. On Trots Vision Saturday night, I gave out uh, your best bets as they kept coming up throughout the night and a couple of people did mention that they appreciated that. So there is a following there and that's the main thing, I suppose. Oh, well, that's right. If we can help, um, you know, you bring a horse to, to water, but sometimes just need a little bit of help in deciphering uh, who you might want to have an investment on and, and enjoy it more. So it um, doesn't matter uh, who, who it comes from. There's a, a small group, but reliable group of uh, respected um, tipsters, and I appreciate that some people think I might be a part of that. And just for the record, Brendan Delaney tipped the same horses, I think. So whether he had beforehand or whether there was some sort of race cause union agreement there, I'm not sure. <laughs> but there was definitely some unity between yourself and Brendan. So I don't know if that was planned or not, but uh, it was quite funny, actually. Yeah, uh, well, definitely wouldn't have been planned, not from my end, because it's news to me. But uh, uh, look, uh, I suppose the smart one would let someone else do all the hard work. So when you think about it, yeah. somebody uh, it could be smart on somebody else's behalf, but uh, it can also uh, end up on the flip side with egg on your face at times as as well. But nonetheless, I hopefully you tipped a few winners then. He did. He, he tipped the first four in order again, which is never never an easy feat. He's, Who's back? Who's doing Kilmore Saturday night in in the chair? Yeah, Brendan. It's Brendan's back Saturday night. Yeah. Oh, very good. He's he's a great caller, Brendan. He's he's highly underrated in all facets. I think. Yeah, and look, he loves uh, calling the trots as well. So I mm. do my best to to schedule uh, a couple of meetings in for him. And uh, I think as people can appreciate, as much as I love calling the trots, um, you can imagine how many Saturdays and and Sundays, for that matter, that I've called trot meetings at over a long period of time. So I still look forward to having a a Saturday night uh, off uh, from uh, from calling the trots. It doesn't happen that often, so I try to make the most of it. And we'll turn our attention to Kilmore on Saturday night, the first, the Ken Snowy Chapman Memorial Winter Championship. Yeah, look, um, and, and it's good to see Kilmore honouring their greats. Really, it is. It's a night for, for Kilmore to remember some of their... Uh, uh, great harness racing people and, and Kenny uh, Chapman uh, was absolutely uh, one of those and it's good to see his name remembered and it's a decent race, the first event at Kilmore. I, I've narrowed it down to two primary chances but the market has as well but I'm going for Rock and Roll Waller over I Think. I Think is a, a, 
a favourite, clear enough favourite, light erased, good record, still building up a good profile and will be very hard to beat. But I like the way Rock and Roll Waller is, A, is going. I mean, third, he's Charlie's Angel and beaten in a three-way photo finish. Went up significantly in class, I thought as well. He's only had the nine starts, has won four of them, but is progressing really well and has measured up at his last couple in town. Although one was a big step up, which was last time, and I think he showed that he's right up there. So the barrier draw is uh, uh, suitable for Rock and Roll Waller, the two, um, with uh, Greg Sugars uh, on, and I see it's in the, the training of uh, Craig Demler now. So two Rock and Roll Waller from uh, four, I think. They're the, the top two. Buster William, the nine, um, with the Herbertsons, uh, now the former Tasmanian. I think that his effort first up from a backline draw, it was a pretty solid performance. So the, uh, the connections have, have left him over here. And he looks highly suited. So that's the market order, oh, well, almost the market order. I've tipped second favourite, favourite, third favourite in the early markets. And then Classic Angelina is another one that's only lightly raced, but I think is progressing really well after a series of placings. Was well beaten, but was held up and then got into the clear and charged home behind that very smart son of Mac who's running tonight at Sam Melton. Uh, so it might be one at odds to include into your uh, exotics. But um, my tips are 2, 4, 9 and 12. Yeah, he's an interesting horse, uh, rock and roll waller. He's had some hock issues and had a had a bit of surgery in as a yearling and uh, given plenty of time, he's a big gross horse and uh, the Barnes family have uh, given him plenty of time to mature and obviously uh, they're connected with Craig Demler and have been for some time. So uh, Craig, just for a bit of a change of environment and they both work, I think they both work, work full-time jobs and uh, Brent, uh, Bradley works nights and, and things are pretty uh, technical. It's a bit of hard, hard work to get them all worked, I think, sometimes the horses. So uh, he'll, he'll figure in this finish, I I think is a very nice horse and was a terrific second in uh, over the 1200 metres race, two starts back that was behind Art Jester, got taken on there and I don't think we've seen a horse in a 1200 metre race cop that much pressure and, and stick it out like it did. Had a little bit of a break from that, it would have been a really tough run for the horse, so obviously Aaron Dunn's given the horse a bit of a break. It's a long trip from Horsham to Kilmore, though, so uh, enjoy the long trek, uh, Aaron. Uh, let's make tracks is one, Dan, at a bit of value. It was, it was a terrific uh, fourth in a pegs-dominated race, two starts back at Melton. Uh, then had no real luck and worked pretty hard in, in, a, in a strong race at Maryborough that Joyful won. So if you forgive that last run, it's actually form was building up towards a win. It's uh, run some nice races this campaign despite the figure form. It's a horse that uh, could figure it at big value. And uh, Buster William had Jamie Cockshut on the show yesterday, the, our Tasmanian expert, and he talked about how... Buster Williams, not just the sort of horse that leads and wins. He's won from seven back on the outside. He's won from five back on the outside. And he's a horse that uh, can come from behind. And he comes out of basically free-for-all grade in Tasmania. So uh, he will certainly be a chance. What we might do, Dan, we'll get our first breakaway and we'll come back. And we'll bury our eyes and attention into races two and three at Kilmore. Welcome back, Toby McKinnon with you and Dan Malek. And we turn our attention to race two, the Bob Kane Memorial Winter Championship second heat. And Dan, I'll throw a bit of a question at you in these. When they're heats, 
Do you think that changes some of the driving tactics? Do you think some horses, say, maybe drawn awkwardly or tough might be driven differently just to make the final? Uh, I suppose, oh, can do. I, I, I think the prize money is so good in, in, in mm. some races that, um, you know, you treat every race as a final. But um, in a race like this, the barrier draws could have a fair bit to do with it because they're random barrier draws. So, um, no, I think uh, you strike while the iron's hot if indeed the iron can get hot enough to strike. So, yes. um, no, I wouldn't have thought so. so. It's an interesting race, this, and we saw Heavenly Gypsy spear off the gate at Melton last time and get across, and I just wonder if Greg Sugars will adopt those Chris Alford tactics. Yeah, um, well, look, might, might do that. I, either way, I think it... Uh, I mean, there's a bit of speed because Holy Basil can get out pretty quickly as well, mm. so... Heavenly Gypsy did cross, uh, whether or not uh, would be prepared to then take a trail because Holy Basil, and what did you say, can sustain uh, some pressure, gets out quickly enough and could challenge as well. So there's enough gate speed there. Um, Adola Geary uh, as well from one can push up. So the, the, the battle uh, that could win the race might be in the first few hundred metres. Dola Geary's advantage is if one horse crosses, still ends up with a really good trail and He's going really well, um, Dolagiri. So I think he is the one to beat. But Heavenly Gypsy's racing particularly well. And as you said, can do it pretty much at both ends by using uh, gate speed early and yeah. then still having a kick at the finish. Uh, Holy Basil, um, he should be fit enough to do something now. I think there's an expectation that he should be able to to run a more forward race. And even what did you say? Certainly hard fit now, but um, just often gets exposed, doing a bit of work, sitting without cover and... You probably don't want him in that spot. He can box on well and run you a good race from that position, but will be vulnerable just the same. Um, they're four of the key chances as well, and they're all horses that can posse up in a forward position. So if that's what they do, it could be a race that's dominated up near the front. Uh, so Dorlagir is my um, top selection, which is number uh, one. On the back of some really good form, and rightly so. Three Heavenly Gypsy, four Holy Basil with a chance or an opportunity to improve, he needs to, and um, and five, what did you say? So one, three, four, and five, but they might settle leader, leaders back without cover, one, one. It's possible they could end up in those positions. Number two, codename Marcus, was massive at Kilmore, and Ash Markham, I spoke to him afterwards, actually. He was beating himself up over the drive, and I said, well, he wanted to go to the chair, but uh, Glenn Ball was in the chair, and he thought, well, I don't think I'll get it if I go around to the chair, so I have to go back to last. And then he was trying to burst through and watching the replay. actually watched the replay with him in the driver's room at Kilmore, and he just said, oh, I should have pulled that way, and I should have pulled that way, and I should have done this. He should have won that race. And possibly, yes, but it's easy in hindsight. And I think he did the right thing by the horse. He didn't have a gut buster. And he's a horse that's always shown lots of ability. And Ash is actually working for Greg Norman, and the horse is up at uh, the new facility that Greg Norman's got. So he's not coming from Charlton, which I think is of note too. So he's going terrific, codename Marcus. And... I've got one of those stats, Dan, that I love to do. Night school's in the race. The race will start at 5.34 and sunset is 5.17, which gives night school a chance because, ironically, the six times it's won have all been night meetings, so it'll have the ability to school them. Uh, Jimmy James, Dan, I've 
off Dawa Geary's back would have to be a place chance, I would have thought. And yeah. uh, other than that, uh, I couldn't go any wider. But, yeah, I think Dawa Geary would be, what, the safest way to play in the race. I definitely agree with you on that fact. Yeah, probably no great value uh, for Dalagiri, but the the form line suggests that's the way it should be. Runner up four of its last five starts, uh, and then with a really good gate in a random barrier draw race where um, there there's a bit of difference between rating points as well. So Dalagiri's well, I think um, not so much thrown in, but ideally placed an advantage because of that barrier draw and codename Marcus. Conversely, I've got a lot of time for codename Marcus, but there's a big difference in in grade where he gets to. So at least Mm. he gets a good gate codename Marcus because I do get the feeling he will measure up uh, in time if he doesn't uh, initially because there's some pretty smart horses there. And I I touched on a Holy Basil. It's the right sort of race for Holy Basil to find some form. I think Dean Braun will be scratching his head if he can't. Yeah, we just, I, my notes, I just wrote, we're just waiting. Seven out of 12 record, Dean Braun. And we are, we're just waiting, I think, for Holy Basil to get back to potentially his best. He's obviously had a lot of issues, the horse, throughout the journey. Uh, race three, the Don Logie Memorial Pace. Alana Logie, the granddaughter of Don Logie, uh, is, has a runner in this race. But the meeting's a lot more to her. She, of course, is related to Ken Snowy Chapman, related to Bob Knight, related to Vin Knight, and uh, trains the horses from the property that Popular Arm used to swim in the dam of. When you put it in those terms, it'd be a special win for Lady Lani. So I don't know if she can win, Dan. I was at Warrigal and Dream Maze was outstanding. I remember a horse called Captain Belisario winning there and it just ran the whole way, Captain Belisario. The last mile was 29 2 28-1, 28-2 and... He went on to win uh, the Vic Bread four-year-old final, or was it the Breeders' Crown? It was one of those anyway, and I haven't seen a horse do that at Warrigal until Dream May sat parked and went 29 at only about a second slower that last mile than what uh, Captain Belisario did. It's as good a run as I've seen at Warrigal since Captain Belisario, who was the best run I've ever seen at Warrigal. So on the basis of that, I think she will be incredibly hard to beat. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I was actually a little surprised that she came up 260. I thought oh, she'd probably come up red. a little bit shorter than that. Um, I had red down. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, who's to say it won't happen either. She only had the five starts and she's won four of them. And um, this is the sort of race where, look, it's a much stronger race. There's no doubt that that is the case. She goes up in grey, but it was the way that she won and gives you the impression of where she's perhaps going to get to. And therefore, this looks a decent race. But um, there's a lot of horses with experience here and that, that might be tempering what price you're getting at the moment uh, for for Dream Maze. But as you say, it, it was very impressive here. Um the two is uh, Forgot the Wallet. It's first up from from a bit of a break, uh, a horse that can be suited by a, a decent draw. Um, one of a number of chances, I would have thought. Uh, I'm not leaving out Lady Lani. I, I think she's got claims from, from that inside gate. Uh, Diamond Shoes is a horse with plenty of ability. Uh, Heavenly Brigade, even from that bad gates, another horse I respect. And Twisted Bliss has uh, found form. Uh, it's won 10 races, Twisted Bliss, so there's more than capable. last two wins have been at Mildura. Make cases for a lot of them. Mike Corona, yeah. Ruby Wingate even. Look, Ruby Wingate's yeah. a horse that's only won seven races that um, 
won well enough last start and comes into it. My Corona always looked like she was going to be top shelf and she hasn't quite got to that level for various reasons. But look, there's a few horses that I can round up as being chances or in the mix, but I had no hesitation in tipping Dream Maze the five. From numbers nine, uh, Ruby Wingate, two forgot the wallet, and three Holy Stars is the other one I didn't mention in the lead up there, but it's, it's got an obvious chance as well. So there's plenty of horses that you could throw in outside of Dream Maze, but my tips are five, nine, two, and three. Yeah, uh, Holy Stars could be one of those. She was really good after getting taken on at Kilmore, just not sure where she maps in this race. And if you think uh, forgot the wallets a chance, she ran second in the Mother of Pearl uh, and third on that occasion was Nova Baxter. Uh, she ran the other time they met. She ran seventh. Forgot the wallet in a Granny Smith heat, and Nova Baxter ran ninth. And uh, talking to Jamie Cockshut, he he didn't think there was much between Forgot the Wallet and Nova Baxter. And I'm convinced that after having lunch with uh, Jamie Cockshut, Forgot the Wallet is actually named after him. But uh, I'll get to the bottom of that one day. And Ruby Wingate Dan had some mouth issues. Some uh, I can't remember exactly what he told me, Adam Stevens. It was. It was something around ulcers or something in her mouth, and she just she just took a long time to recover from having that that issue. And uh, she's back to her best now, and she's the sort of mare that, believe it or not, I could imagine running a fifth in a hundred thousand uh, dollar Queen of the Pacific, if you know what I mean. I think at her yeah. best, she's got that ability. My Corona, yep, she looked like going to be a really good horse. My query with her is her five wins, uh, she's been in front, and I can't see her getting to the front, but there's just an inkling, isn't there, that she is a nice horse, and you totally forgive Diamond Shoes for her last run, and then her form looks really good as well. So it'll be a really good race, the Don Logie Memorial Pace, and uh, there will not be a dry eye in the place uh, for all those connected to Alana Logie if she happens to win the race. Named after her grandfather, she she did her Deb dance with her grandfather. You get to choose a special person, and, and he was the man that uh, she did her Deb dance with. So can you imagine, Dan, how, how much it would mean to her to win a race like the Don Logie Memorial on Saturday night? It'd be something very special, and I just wonder if there'll be a little push from above at the top of the home straight for Lady Lani. Yeah, I dare say there's a good chance that'll be the case. And while Lady Lani's returning off uh, a little bit of a break, she has mixed it against some pretty handy mares. Welcome back, Friday form panel. Toby McKinnon and Dan Malecki with you. And the Laley and Mary Mifsud Memorial three-year-old pace for the Phillies is a very intriguing affair. And there's something a few of the drivers said in a very similar race a couple of weeks ago. There's bigger fish to fry later in the year. There's so I wonder if tactics, uh, some tactics will be based around that fact. They're not going to give their horse a gut buster when there's so, so many big races coming in Breeders' Crown, Oaks, and uh, Vic Bread later in the season. The Vic Bread's not actually that far away. Dan, does Joyful just win? You think she works to the top, but does a horse like Scheming or Sahara Breeze have a chance of uh, running her down? Uh, at her best, Joyful is, is I think, clearly better. Um, still early on in her preparation, but she's got more to come. And what you saw first up, she'll improve a couple of lengths off that. Yeah, I think she's got the respect of her rivals as well. And um, I think she'll be winning 
Toby, a matter of trying to work out who can run second and third. I'm not sure between Sahara Breeze and Credulous. Sahara Breeze just needs a genuine tempo. She's a good filly, uh, race shape against her last start. Credulous can make her own luck, has got gate speed. Um, And uh, I think they're the obvious ones to fill second and third. Scheming, uh, fit enough now, gets a cheaper run on the pegs. And it it, it could be the one that splits Credulous and Sahara Breeze for third. Uh, I've tipped them six five, two, and one. But I think Joyful, while Sahara Breeze is good, Credulous is good, and scheming continues to improve, I think Joyful's pretty special on what she showed us last prep. Yeah, scheming is, I think she can hold up in the front. Her gate speed is as good as Credulous is. So if James Herbertson holds with scheming initially and then is the one to hand up to Joyful, I think, uh, $3.20 the place might be a little bit of value to run in the top two. That's uh, the way I was viewing it. She was really good when third to Loco Diablo and Sahara Breeze. I know on that occasion beat her. She came from four back the pegs. They dashed home in 26-3. Sahara Breeze was on her back on that occasion. And I just wondered if scheming was able to hold up at the start, then hand to Joyful. So there might be a couple of horses between her and Sahara Breeze. And I just just wondered, I just thought that uh, she might be the horse that filled in second spot. But I don't think there'd be too many people uh, disagreeing in the hole that six Joyful wins. And then it's really one, two and five look a little level above the three and four major milestone. And Snow Hunter, who... I sort of always half expected to improve into that level of horse that Scheming, Credulous and Zahara Breeze is, but we certainly have not seen that this preparation with Snow Hunter, Dan. No, I remember her winning early on in her career mm. and running really fast time and thought exactly the same, and uh, she hasn't quite gone on. We haven't seen the best of her anyway uh, in this last preparation. So... Um, she hasn't delivered as yet. Where was it? She ran a 156.7 when she won at, um, at Melton one night on a pretty cold night as well, but hasn't really gone on from there. It's got gate speed, so she could make it interesting early. She might be a cold night specialist. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, she was very well named. Well, her name is Snow Hunter, so maybe you're right. <laughs> yeah, by Huntsville at a cold outside. It was it was a pretty clever name, really, isn't it? I know it seems obvious now, but you still got to find the obvious and clever name. Yeah, it might look like it's a good name now, but it can still take days to come up with a name for a racehorse. Yeah. And, of course, every now and then you get a moment of uh, uh, thoughtful brilliance and it, you, know, you can do it in five seconds. So I'm not sure which way they've gone, but uh, <laughs> the only thing now they could be regretting is that she's not a bit faster than what she uh, looked like she was early. So just your numbers again. I didn't write them down. Six from... Six, five, two and one. Six, five, two, one. Very good. Race five is a very interesting race. The popular arm sprint. And, well, I know what you're going to say about this, Dan. It changes significantly whether Yankee Gold races or doesn't race. I think it's the fastest off the gate Yankee Gold. So if it happens to be in this race, I think it'll change everyone's plans and thoughts and well 31 and 6 would be good value if he got a run because he's probably going to be holding up at the start and handing up to something but who would it be and then if he doesn't run in the race hi my name is jeff becomes that horse off a really good first start where where did you end up here dan is better isolate going to be too good i'm still cognizant of the fact that maddie craven said last week on the coverage that this is not his grand final. That was at Bendigo, and I don't think the popular arm sprint is his grand final. Matty won't be driving Saturday night. They're very, very close to having a baby with his partner, Amy Day. So 
going to Kilmore Saturday night would be just too far away from Amy because he may have to do the dash for cash. I messaged him last night. It hasn't it hadn't happened at that stage last night, but it may have happened since. I don't know. Uh, but uh, best of luck to Maddie and Amy when that happens. And no doubt that's a lot more significant than a popular arms sprint. But uh, better isolate's very good. Or, Dan, is there something else? Well, yeah, Bucky and lead throughout. Where did you settle? Well, the key uh, is better isolate. I think he's too mm. too short. Um, mm. He keeps coming up short and, you know, he keeps getting beaten. Now, there's been reasons why, and I know he's a good horse, but he's not a $1.75 shot, is he? If he was on the back of a win and you were absolutely certain he was at the top of his game, I would understand why. But, um, you know, the run last week was, was good. It was better, uh, but it still doesn't convince me that sh- he should be such a prohibitive of a favourite or so far ahead of like a wildfire, particularly when he's been driven um, as a sit sprinter or a get back horse. Um, I think it's too short again. Am, am I missing something here or or are you thinking that he is the obvious favourite and should be odds on? No, I'd be surprised he ran in the top four, to be honest, Dan. That's my opinion. I don't think he'll go forward. I don't think he'll get the front. Uh, I think Maddie's thinking about Victoria Cups, a possible Inter Dominion. I don't think the horse is screwed right down at the moment, and he's in, he's getting some seasoning the horse. And when you say he keeps coming up short, he keeps coming up short in odds, and he keeps coming up short in winning those races. But I just don't think it's his grand final. So. Uh, yeah, he's good enough to win the race. He could spear off the gate and lead and, and just dominate this race and beat him. But I just don't think that will happen. So, I'm, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, look, I, I like like a wildfire, the 11. Um, he stood out to me. Problem in some of these fast-class races over the last few months, there hasn't really been horses that have been known for being tough and, and putting the pressure on whoever might lead. So... If you can sort out the horses that can go up and just generate enough tempo on the race to suit a horse that's going to be back on the field, or or the way I looked at it and why I've come up with like a wildfire with a bit of confidence, if this is a race that's void of that horse that can sit up and do the work. Now, Tango Tara is the obvious one without being... At, he's better following speed, I think, Tango Tara, but he's going well enough. If they're going slow, he could make his own luck to a degree. Um, but like a wildfire is strong enough to do that for the last eight or 900 metres of the race. So I thought that like a wildfire, even though he's a good sit sprinter, he can make his own luck. If there's a spot there to sit outside the leader for the last eight or 900, I reckon he could assume that position. So I think he can make his own luck if required, number 11, like a wildfire to win this. Um, better isolate's got to be a really good chance. And initially I was thinking if like a wildfire comes with one run, better isolate might follow him and, and it makes sense that they could run over the top of everything else. Nine, Tango Tara. And three, Yambakian. Yambakian's the one that I thought would probably lead. And he can run a terrific race from there. So lineups first up. Um, I would tend to think he'll get better with racing. Hi, my name is Jeff, will be fitter, but has also got more improvement in him. I think Huli Nien's got some hope. Um, Interest-free can improve. Sahara Tiger, really, for a horse, it's $126. I mean, shouldn't surely be. it shouldn't be that price, no, should it? Not not the place. Anyway, 15 the place. He'll go to the pegs in this. If Tango Tara doesn't go to the pegs, he could very well be four back the pegs. And so often the 1690s are peg-dominated races. 
Yeah, he shouldn't be $126, but, you know, I'm not saying he shouldn't be $34, but $126 makes you think, well, maybe I should have a dollar by four on him. You know, if you're that way inclined, um, he looks overs. But, I, look, I think like a wildfire looks overs to me, 3.30. I thought he was going to come up favourite uh, just ahead of Better Isolate. Uh, hunters with burnt fingers. I don't know how they're putting their, their, their bets on if they're touching the keyboard because their fingers are burnt from last week, so someone else is going to be doing it for them. 11 on top, 11, 5, 9 and 3. Yeah, interesting. So if Yam Buckian leads, I'd say he'll run 153. Would you agree? Probably, yeah. yeah. Well, he's certainly capable of doing it. So, like a wildfire, I'd have to run 151 then from the second row, basically, around three wide. That would be staggering if he can do that. Oh, look, I think he's capable of doing it. But, again, it'll just depend on the tempo of that race. Um, yeah. You know, you're not going to expect warm conditions, are you? It could be January on a 35-degree day and you're not going to expect warm conditions at Kilmore. But, um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Bucky, and, uh, he's the sort of horse that he can run along at a decent clip. But, um, like a wildfire, it just depends where he's able to make his ground to come into the race because if he's up there... He can reel off a 55 last half as long as he's up there and sitting parked doing it. So he just has to navigate the traffic from the first half of the race to get to that position unless there's a genuine tempo on. But for there to be a genuine tempo, either it could be a pegs dominated and the leader just runs along or who is that death seat horse that can sustain pressure and create that sort of tempo that, that would ultimately assist those that are sit sprinters. I mean... Um, is there a horse that you would consider uh, capable of sitting parked that would generate that spot? Or the horse that's left without cover is probably going to immediately be looking for a horse like like a Wildfire or Tango Itara to come around. Yeah, look. Uh, yeah, well, they, the last time he was off the second row in a mile trip, uh, they ran home in 55. He ran sixth in the race and Monomia was four and a half metres behind him. So it just becomes really difficult. That was a heat of the Inter-Dominion, I know, at Shepparton. But it becomes really difficult from over the short trip from the outside of the second row. And in fact, Dan, I wouldn't tip him if he was leap to fame in this race. So I thought I'd be looking more towards the leaders, Ian Bucky and potentially in front. I think he'll run a very fast time, 153, 152 and a half, somewhere in that vicinity. And if he does that, I, I can't see him getting beaten. I know four starts back, he won at Melton when he led. He's had eight starts when he's uh, he, he's led on eight occasions for six wins and a placing. One of those placings, he came off the second row when he worked to the front. So you've got to give him some credit, uh, some some uh, exemption there. So he's a very good horse when he's in front. Four starts back, he ran home in 30.6, I'd imagine that was over the middle trip at uh, Melton. I'd imagine that first quarter will be a lot sharper, of course, and then he'd get away with with a second quarter. If it's anywhere in the vicinity of 29, he'll run home in 28 and 27-1. Uh, that's uh, 55, and he'll be too hard to beat Yan Bucky. And I'd be looking at the pegs then. Uh, they can become pegs-dominated races, Yankee Gold. Hi, my name is Jeff. will be in a great position, whichever one of those draws the pole. And I think Interest Free is an interesting horse. Dan, he ran third in a Shepparton Cup from the 1-1. He ran third in a Geelong Cup from uh, the leaders back. He ran third in a Victorian Derby from six back the outside, beaten eight metres by Leap to Fame. You just wonder. It'll be an interesting race to see where Interest Free is at as well, mate. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, he might be fit enough now that mm. um, I was going to say if he'd drawn anywhere other than the peg line, he might be able to navigate a course through, but he could end up in a, a, a decent enough position. He's still only fourth up in his uh, preparation, but you're right, he could very easily just... Um, what looks like form turned around, but really he's just building his fitness up up against the free-for-all horses. He's still only a, um, inexperienced as far as aged. He's, he's a four-year-old new to this preparation. So taking on the older horses, even though he's had a lot of experience. So at $31, with the form that you've talked about, even that looks overs. That yeah. looks overs, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. Yeah. Like, And again, the place, $4.80 the place if he's tucked away in the pegs. Welcome back. Toby McKinnon with you. Race six is the Vin Knight Memorial Pace. Interesting race. I think Kafaji will work his way to the front here over Relentless Me. She's, Alan Tormey certainly holds that on her racket as such. She was a good third last week. Will she hand up probably as a two-year-old? She's handed up five times the lead Relentless Me. She ran third as a two-year-old in the Tatlow. She ran fourth in the Breeders' Crown semi-final as a two-year-old. She ran fourth in the Victorian Oaks. She ran third in a Vic Bread Heat as a three-year-old and fourth in the Vic Bread semi-final. So those five times she's surrendered the lead have all been in really good races with two-thirds and three-fourths. This is a pretty good race as well. So you'd expect on that that Relentless Me will hand up and she'll be right in the finish at $8 and two thirty. From there, does Kafaji work to the front? Does Raw for Roscoe sit outside him? Probably. Where does Pull the Other Leg end up? Dan, there's a few nice horses in this race. Uh, it'll be a very interesting race, a Vinnight Memorial. And it is intriguing, um, the the possible scenarios, uh, trying to look at a, at a race map there. If Raw for Roscoe is exposed without cover, well, he's uh, he's vulnerable then, isn't he? Um mm. Uh, relentless me, they might um, decide to take the trail and it might make her a really good each-way play. She's going well enough now where I think I'd entertain her more for uh, to be able to win the race if she did take a trail. So if that was the case, who who does lead? Is Kafaji quick enough to take advantage of two or horses like Mighty Flying Art and, and Arg and pull the other leg and even Aussie Battler? They've all got really good gate speed. So that could open up the race in the early part. And if that's the case, I think it suits Raw for Roscoe. Um, probably also suits a horse like Joni in as well. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe Crime Rider. Um, but I, I thought the four Raw for Roscoe, um, it would be the one. But again, it depends on the first couple of 100 metres of that race. It, it, if it, I think you might have even brought it up last week when there's a field of really fast or, or a front line of fast class horses uh, fast horses, and um, they all concede that the inside horse is the fastest and they <laughs> yeah. don't come out of the gate, and then yeah. you don't get that speed generated like you think they would initially. But I think Raw for Roscoe, the four, four, two, one, and six are my selections here. And Joni Inns, the other one I would have liked to have put into the mix because if the race shape is the way that I'm thinking it might or hoping it might be, uh, he can be finishing over the top as well. I think he's going well enough to be considered a winning chance, number nine. But I've tipped four, two, one, and six. Four, two, one, and six in the Vin Knight Memorial. The seventh is the Bob Knight Memorial. So we go from son to father, the great trainer of popular arm. And another intriguing race, Dan, an Aussie playboy. Taylor French and this horse have combined sensationally well. 
Uh, 11 starts they've had together for no wins. $19,400 in prize money. She'd love to win a race with Aussie Playboy Taylor French. She's been driving the horse to almost perfection. He goes around over the odds every single week, it seems. He gets his chance. Uh, Our Uncle Jim's also racing well. Uh, Sly Terror was terrific last week, and our old mate Monomia can't be discounted either. And and Steel Screens, interestingly, has a terrible record from three-back defence, run sixth, seventh, and eighth on the three occasions he's been there. Yeah, it is. It's a race where you can make a case for most of the runners, if not all of them. Look, I've been with Aussie Playboy all the way through, and I think he's a terrific chance. But <laughs> last couple of weeks, he's been at really good each-way odds. This time, he's been well found in the market. Uh, I, I think our Uncle Jim offers a bit of value. He's been getting to the line really well recently. Peg line run, how far back in the pegs he ends up, I'm not sure. If uh, Sweet Passion's the only one to cross him early, well, he gets a lovely run, but he could well end up three back the inside. But he can finish off a long straight at Kilmore, and I thought he, at 10 or $11, he was... An each-way play. Aussie Playboy is making his own luck. He's got enough gate speed to be right up there anyway, but also good coming from the back of the field. So more of a complete racehorse. Uh, five is Sweet Passion. Come off the gate. Really good last start. Much better. And, uh, and Major Banbar could have, could have found a spot for Sly Terror and for Cemetery Bay as well. It's just that sort of race. But I thought one at the odds each way. One, three, five and four. One, three, five, and four. Yeah, Cemetery Bay certainly can figure as well. It's hard when you've got to only narrow it down to four sometimes then because you want to get about nine of them in there, don't you? Yeah, and conversely, the other way, when you can find your top two or three and you, <laughs> and you, you scratch your head, who do you tip fourth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, race eight, the Roger Reeves Memorial Trot and... An interesting race, this, and there, there is one I think is at value, and that's Golden Sunset, a horse that just loves to lead. It's led on eight occasions for three wins and four seconds. It seems to just go much better in front. And just to compare the two, uh, the last mile for Golden Sunset last week was 2-1, and it ran an extra 30 metres on the track. And the last mile for Central Otago was 2 minutes, point one. And it ran an extra 10 metres. So off the basis of that, there wasn't a lot between Golden Sunset and Central Otago last week. And uh, Chiron's uh, not always great away from the mobile. So if Golden Sunset gets a soft lead, it could certainly run a race here at, at big odds. Central Otago was huge last week. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. And then you've got Elder Barandino, who's... Three weeks in a row uh, into a campaign, like you kick off first up, second up, third up, three weeks in a row at Metro grade. So I just wonder if he's going to be a little bit flat. He seemed a little bit flat last week, whether he'll just be that little bit flat as he builds into his campaign. And anywhere, Hugo, how can you leave him out? And, of course, Revel Stoke won a size. So I'll be interested to see how you can get all those into your first four, Dan. Plus plus (laughs) Baltica. Yeah, well, I've come up with Baltica as my top pick here, yeah, thinking yeah. it was it was the value runner and had improvement to come being third up, coming out of a pretty good race last week and hasn't really got those races run to suit with a smallish field um, and then the sprinting home and, and this this might be more genuinely run. Uh, look, I thought a horse like Majestical Bell had the, the gate speed to, to maybe cross them early. So there's a number of variations as to how yeah. this race could uh, pan out, chopping and changing. There could be moves for the first lap. Uh, and if that happened, I think it would suit Baltica. Um, 
whether uh, Chiron was able to hold up and Baltic is even three back the inside or whether it had got away from the pegs and was able to finish on. I, I think uh, at $11 it represented a really good each-way bet, but all of the horses you you mentioned, Zaram's the other one, is a good sit sprinter. Yeah. Uh, the more pace generated in that race, it'll suit it. Uh, Eldebaran Dino, uh, second up. I mean, the first up run was fantastic, wasn't it? And there was nothing wrong with the second up run either. There's a bit, bit of depth in this. Uh, but he, he looks a really good chance. Uh, you mentioned Revelstoke and, and Central Otago with improvement to come off a really good first up performance. So I tipped 8694, but I, yeah, I, I'm trying to work out how I could have put anywhere Hugo in because he <laughs> deserves to be in the mix. I don't think he's been out of the top four for, uh, for quite a while either. So it's a good race to win with. And um, I've just gone with a bit of value with Baltica, 869 and 4. Yeah, hard to leave anywhere Hugo out. He's just racing so terrifically well. And I think it's come from the regular racing. He's he's He seems like he's as fit and healthy as he ever has been, or at least since he's a three-year-old. And that regular racing seems to just be working with him. Dan, let's get your best bets firstly for Kilmore Saturday night. Okay, I my best bet, I think Dolagiri's um, race, um, it's made the water for him to break through. So race two, horse number one, um, named after a very famous thoroughbred who won a Cox Plate in 1961, from, from, Dolagiri. From Bendigo? Um, oh, my, it was New Zealand. Um, was he? Okay. New Zealand bred. Um, Jeff Lane rode it and Brian Courtney. So it ended up here. Um, and you might be right, it might have been Bendigo, but it, it was a um, very good horse. Um, and uh, Cox Pate winner. So um, Dolagiri is my best race two, number one. Um, best each way, race seven, number one. That's our Uncle Jim, probably at the dollar a win, $4 a place ratio. And my value runner for the night, race eight, number eight, Baltica. Our Uncle Jim, seven by one. He is currently 10 and 270. And Baltica is race eight, number eight. And is eleven dollars, I reckon. Uh, eleven yep. and two seventy. So yeah, I think they're both great each way chances. Your multi, Dan. Multi, I think just all up my two value runners a place. Uh, race yep. seven, number one, our Uncle Jim, and race eight, number eight, Baltica, uh, comes to seven twenty nine um, on the tab side. All up a place. Those two at the moment. There's no reason why you couldn't even get better on race night. Um, but I thought that was uh, good enough, and at least it prolongs the pain, if indeed it <laughs> is painful, because then they're the last two races of the evening. Yeah, but they're not that late, actually. What time's the last? 8.43. I'll yeah. take I'll take that uh, in winter at Kilmore. Any well, Leap to Fame's race comes up, uh, what, 10 minutes after the last. Again, same thing happened last week, so um gives you something to look forward to, or even maybe that extra leg to to add into an all-up with Leap to Fame just a, a few minutes after the last of Kilmore. Oh, yeah, don't know about that. Man, uh, Melton tonight, you got a couple for Melton tonight for us? Uh, I do. Um, let's have a look at what we have at Melton. Uh, find the page with all my tips. I've got my stall <laughs> tips there for Sunday. Here we go, Melton. <laughs> uh, two, two that I've come up with each way tonight um, yeah. at, at Melton. And race four, number six is Johnny Redcoat. Um, I love the story here with Johnny Redcoat. He's uh, he's nearly as old as you are, Toby. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. He's been around for a while, and I mean that in a lovely way. Um, 12 years of age, but he's still going well, finds the right sort of race. Jackie Barker, they partner up r- really well together. Jackie's been driving for uh, about eight and a bit years. Her first winner, first ever winner in the Sulky was this horse, Johnny Redcoat. Oh, wow. Is great story, isn't it? And look, I think he's got a terrific chance again in the right race tonight. Race four, number six, 
And then later on, race eight, horse number three, which is Quiet Storm. He's uh, oh. he's shown he's got a bit of ability, and I reckon he finds the right race. It's not a bad race at all, strong, but uh, race eight, number three, Quiet Storm. Yeah, race eight, number three, Quiet Storm. eighty. Yeah, he is a nice horse. That that first run at uh, Geelong was probably perfect for a campaign. A nice little opener without doing too much work. Ran fourth there, and uh, yeah, he is a very nice horse for Xavier and Nicholas O'Connor. And, yeah, that's a great story with Jackie, who's probably in the best form of her career as a driver. Welcome back. Friday form panel. Toby McKinnon and Dan Malicki joined by Greg O'Connor. Rub it in, Greg. How are you, mate? And whereabouts are you? And what's the weather like? Horrible. Morning to you, Toby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm actually looking outside and there's a couple of clouds, which I'm disappointed in because it has been blue sky pretty much all the way through. But uh, just sitting over at Albion Park, um, doing some work leading towards tomorrow night. Of course, I've got action here uh, this afternoon into the early evening. But, uh, yeah, the two Group 1 races here tomorrow night, exceptional, and can't wait to uh, get back on track and, of course, get the opportunity again to see the superstar of Queensland in Leap to Fame. Now, before I hand you over to Dan, because I'll be interested in Dan's thoughts on Leap to Fame, he draws gate six. He's going to have to be three wide, I think, for two bends. If he goes forward at the start, he won't get there initially. It'll take some time to work there. If he goes back and comes with one run from the 1,000-metre mark, it's still two bends he's got to be three wide in, which probably means if they run 150, he's going to have to run 148, 147.5, something like that, just to beat them. If he does that, do you think he can do that, Greg? And do you think he just wins? Or or are you a little bit sceptical like a few people that it might just be too tough? No matter how good a champion is, they just can't win every race sometimes. Yeah, it's it's the big question for the race, isn't it? Um, the, the first part that um, I suppose doesn't concern me was, is this race an afterthought? Is this, was this race always on Grant's radar? He keeps his uh, cards very close to his chest, as, as you well know. But... Um, Often, I think, when a, uh, a pathway, if you like, changes, um, sometimes it can come back to bite you on the backside. Maybe this horse is just exceptional, or maybe I'm trying to find a reason to get him beat. But um, I was out there yesterday and, and spent a bit of time with Grant in the paddock um, while the horse was just picking at some grass. And he's in awe of him, and, and obviously he's come through the run so well that he's decided to go this week. Uh, this is his first crack at free-for-all level, and he, he's chosen to, to take a, a, a short-distance race, a mile, uh, against horses that, well, obviously, Blacks of Dance holds the record here at 49-2. If they go somewhere near that and he's no closer than three wide for the entire race, then he's he's going to have to be everything um, some Queenslanders and, and Australians think he is, an absolute champion. And uh, If he wins this week and then wins the Blacks of Fake next week, then... Obviously, he heads to the Eureka, and then he's got the Edit Dominion at the end of the year here. And um, yeah, I think it, I think it's something to celebrate. But if if he wins tomorrow night, it, it's going to take a, a monumental performance, Daniel. As I say, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, uh, Greg. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think there's any doubt about it at all. Um, his name now has uh, has now entered the the minds of uh, of the, the the other code people would follow the other codes and and when the horse of um, that stature ends up um, getting into the the mindset of you know your greyhound and your thoroughbred uh, supporters they they often think that they're in unbeatable in whatever race that they go in but 
Um, this is against older horses. He, he's he's got to be more vulnerable than he has been in other races. Doesn't mean he shouldn't be favoured. Doesn't mean he shouldn't be able to win the race. Um, but the race shape and the race distance, and I think the respect you've got to have for the opposition, and and the other aspect of it, because it is a short sharp race, I think it it'll actually prep him better for that black fake and what's ahead of him, and put that sharpness into him because he's had some. Look, they've looked dour. I know it's not just a staying horse, um, but he is better over a, a, a middle distance because he can build up throughout the course of a run. He can virtually strangle them. He's so strong, but here they could be too zippy. But he might be the one that's too zippy. But I reckon it'll benefit him more for the Blacks of Fake, and that's why they've lent to go to this race. It sharpens him up. They might not better tomorrow night, it might be for the next time that he draws the front line, if indeed that's going to be the Blacks of Fake. So I'm not thinking eggs all in one basket about this race. I reckon it's more for the race after. Hard to argue with you, Dan, and when you consider the horses that are drawn to his inside, you've got a Nullarbor winner in Better Zip It. You've got I Cast No Shadow, who's a Len Smith and Inter Dominion winner. Hmm. Blacks of Dance, who holds that record. Magnificent Storm, who... Was in need of the run last week. Ray Williams made that quite uh, obvious to me pre-race, and um, he's drawn four. So the, the the early stages of the race, you can't see him firing off the gate, although last week he pulled him back and just worked into it. Um, I, I think he'll do the same again here, but it's over a shorter distance with a better quality of horse drawn to his inside. What a, yeah. yeah, go, Dan. Yeah, I was going to say that I, I, it's pointless going there and just going back. My mindset is that he wants to sharpen him. He, he wants to give him that hard run off the gate because mm. he's fully fit now. He's had his four runs back. Fitness is not an issue. It's just about tinkering, getting him right for that blacks of fake. Not that he's not there to win on Saturday night, not at all. But I can't see the point of him not wanting to be up there in the early part. If he goes back, he's conceding. So I suspect that he's going to just have to bide his time potentially wide and push on. I think you intimated that, Toby, as well. Yeah. So he may well be three deep early, but um, unless he toils to get there, it's hard to imagine some of those other horses not wanting to take a sit on him if he's there by the 1,200. The longer he takes to get there, the less likely he is going to get to the death seat. If that is the scenario, potential scenario, Greg, are we overlooking the fact that whoever's in front may want to sit behind him and be a better chance of outsprinting him if he works to get there? Or do you reckon that's uh, an unlikely scenario? I think it's unlikely because last week, uh, my ultimate Ronnie, um, he clearly conceded with a lap to go and thought, well, I, I, my, I, I really respect this horse, that's Cam Hart, and I, I think my best opportunity to run second is to take a trail. These horses will not only be thinking about Saturday night's race, but the following week mm. and, and trying to find a way uh, to beat him. So if he gets to park early, then I think he'll win. If he has to sit three wide um, because you're going to have an I Cast No Shadow and a Blacks of Dance, trying to get to the park position first. Do they, are they happy to sit on his back? Um, yeah, it's an intriguing part of the race, and that's not even factoring in a horse like Spirit of St. Louis, who is an outstanding uh, follower of speed as well. And, and if if there is to be a benefactor, um, it'll, it'll be him, I, I believe. Um, he's in great form, and he was terrific winning at Menangle last time. But 
the race will have to pan out for him perfectly for him to be able to win. What about Mac Dan? Dan. <laughs> Mac Dan, yeah. Dan. <laughs> well, look, he's he's a very good horse that if he ends up sitting behind Better Zippet, Better yeah. Zippet is pressured and made vulnerable by uh, Leap to Fame. Mac Dan will be right there. He's often in the mix in all of the big races. Um, and as he's got older, he's probably not as fast off the gate as he once was. He's still quick, but he, he, he can get more dour and, and that race shape would suit him. He's got to be a winning chance under that scenario, but better zip, it's got to be able to lead first because Magnificent Storm has got to have a bit of a crack. I mean, there's enough gate speed there to sustain pressure to better zip it. And I reckon they'll want to fight for that spot and the harder he fights for it but leads, the better chance McDam will have. He certainly will, MacDan. I think he's a great chance uh, as better zip it has been declared to be holding the front by Jason Grimson. Uh, Greg, uh, the Mayor's race is an intriguing race. The Golden Girl, Manhattan, gets her chance. She was terrific in two of those three runs. Soho Astoria won the Oaks up there last year. Amor Vita was terrible up there last year, but she's a much more mature horse. And Braveview Kelly is one of the leading mares across both sides of the Tasman over the last few years. Uh, it's a great race, mate. And uh, while we've got you, before we run out, we've got still got six minutes left. We we want to get a tip from you that's not scratched this week, too. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, <laughs> I can uh, I can try 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 and help you with that. Uh, just before I get to the Golden Girl, you asked me about Beckham. I did promise you. I was oh yes. Spoke to, spoke to Mark Purden. Um, he had a mystery illness, still not really diagnosed uh, by the vets, but he's had six months out, so you won't be seeing him. And I doubt you would have been seeing him. Yeah. Uh, anyway, g- given the the level that he would have to race at, and he's still a maiden, so um, but he did say very very nice horse. So put that in your black book. You you follow it, and when he when he does get back to the races, um, he's a he's a very very good horse. Um, yes, the Golden Girl. Well, it almost feels like a a, a Kiwi race because Manhattan Brave You Kelly, uh, Total Diva, and Amora Vita and BK Swide. I've seen plenty of in New Zealand. Uh, Bob Butt arrives tomorrow morning. He wanted a good barrier draw. Well, he couldn't have got a better one to secure the trip across here. And um, you just completely ruled the line last week because obviously she broke uh, broke gear. And uh, her prior two runs were exceptional. I have total confidence she'll lead. Um, she showed really good gait speed last week as well. And um, when she's in front of this horse, she's incredibly hard to get past. In saying that, she's got Bravey Kelly directly on her back. Uh, she was great here last week. She's been she's been great for the last twelve months. Um, she'll she'll take some beating. She she can um, certainly have a have a crack up the passing lane. The only thing I'd say to that is Manhattan very rarely gets beaten when she's in front. She's a horse that just will not let other horses run past her. It's only a short straight here. And I, I was speaking to Brittany Graham about it the other day, and she was saying because of the the shortness of the straight here at Albion Park. When they're running a 27 second or maybe even less than that last quarter, to make up that length and a half to get past the leader is never easy. So, yeah, I'm going to factor that in as well. Um, and then you've got Soho Historia, who, you're right, was brilliant last year, fresh up today. And I spoke to uh, the Emma Stewart camp yesterday, and uh, they're very pleased with where Amora Vita is at. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an intriguing contest, but I'll be plumbing for Manhattan. What about a more Vita, Dan? Can you make a case for her? She was she was very good last year, late in the season. She I think she got back to her best from a, the two year old, what she promised as a two year old, and had that one start and was a very good second. I think she's primed to nearly take the step up into being becoming arguably the best mare in Australia behind Ladies in Red. 
Well, she's definitely got stronger since she's joined mm. the Emma Stewart camp. I think she was just a brilliant horse, a brilliant sit sprinter, and now she's got a bit of stamina about her. Um, so, uh, look, she'll run really well, but as Greg pointed out, the barrier draws, if Manhattan leads, it's got to be a huge advantage, and who's the horse that's going to put the pressure on Manhattan to make her a little bit vulnerable to give the, a, a horse like an Amore Vita a better chance? She might have to make her own luck, and maybe over the shorter trip she won't get enough time to do it. She can win it, there's no doubt about that. Um, change the barrier draws and she'd be the, the dominant favourite. But um, perhaps uh, in the weeks ahead, there are races that would might, that might suit Amore Vita better. And a tip, Greg? Yeah, I like Narano in the second race. Um, really good last week uh, from a, a pretty handy position on the markers. Draws barrier one. Um, yeah, they'll be pressing for some higher honours of this horse, I think, uh, over the next 12 months. So I'm pretty keen on Narano, and I see there's money coming for it too. So race two, number one, the best of the night for me. I reckon he won a Wangaratta Cup, then you called it, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, very very nice horse too. It built up a really good profile, a good win ratio, good sit sprinter as well. He's got a lot of sharpness in uh, his repertoire. And, um, yeah, he's pretty smart also. Looks well placed there, Greg, particularly in a new stable. When you're talking... Yep, happy to be with him. Yeah, when you're talking to Stuart today, mentioned Balboa Rock. My brother's got a share in it, so just, just quietly. Uh, excellent here, sitting parked and, um, you know, really strong to the line. Has a, has a perfect barrier draw. I will definitely ask the question. No, no problem there at all. And drawn to get, uh, you know, the perfect run behind the horse that they've really come for with the bookies synchroniser. But, yeah, I was impressed by Balboa Rock. Uh, Trista Dixon gave me a nice push for the horse yesterday too. So, um, yep, I'll be with Balboa Rock in, in the big uh, uh, APG final. That's what we wanted to hear. Greg, thank you so much, mate. We'll do it again Monday. We'll have a wrap-up on Monday if we can with you again. Uh, keep up the great work, uh, and thank you. Good on you, boys. Thanks very much. Cheers.